This is a special bonus edition of the Daily Signal podcast. We are coming to you from the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, and we are just getting these interviews out. We are talking with some of the most incredible people, including former President Donald Trump. We're going to have him talk to us about the biggest breaking news of the day. It's an interview you don't want to miss. We're also bringing you a conversation with Dr. Ben Carson, the former Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. We're so excited to bring you both of these conversations today. Let's get to it. jump right in if I may. Sure, Good to see you. Great to see you. Uh, it's very noteworthy that under four years of President Trump, Vladimir Putin made no moves on any region, any country, anything he wants so dearly to bring back into the Soviet Union. Does his move and what's going on in Ukraine right now make it any more interesting for you, any more desires for you to run for president in 2024? I just think it's a shame what's going on. There was no reason for it. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, it would not have happened if our administration were in place. Uh, not even close. He always had a feeling for Ukraine, but it would never have happened. Would have. Uh, what's happening today is so sad. When you watch it, when you see what's going on now, who knows where it's going? I mean, very brave people. These, the way they're fighting, it's an amazing thing. But uh, this would never have happened. Already, thousands of people are dead. This would have never happened. And does it make you want to run for president anymore? I just want to do what's right for the country, and that's what we'll do. We'll do what's right for the country. At the right time, we'll let you know. And thank you for that question. I appreciate that question. You know, we also gave a lot of the javelins that you're hearing so much about. We gave those javelins when President Obama was giving uh, sheets and pillows and, I guess, uh, blankets. That didn't help too much. But we gave javelins, a lot of them, too. And I guess that's uh, helping a lot. Mr. President. Mr. President. Yeah, please, go ahead. How are you? How are you? Nice to see you. Good. Um, I have a question for you about one of your pals, your friends. Um, text messages were recently released from recently released from the January 6th committee sent by Sean Hannity on January 6th. And it appears that he's contradicting what you were trying to tell your staff that day. At least text messages to one senior staff. Do you still consider Hannity a well, I don't know what messages you're talking about, but I think he's a great gentleman, a very talented person. He gets fantastic ratings, and certainly he speaks well of me. He agrees with what I'm saying, so I really don't know. I haven't seen him. Oh, I haven't seen him, no. I haven't heard about him or seen him. No, I think he's fantastic. Mr. President, yeah, Mr. President uh, during your whole administration, the slogan, promises made, promises kept, resonated. Last year, you promised to roll out a social media platform that all Americans can jump on to secure their voice. Just two weeks ago, you rolled out True Social. Yep. Would you please comment on the success of this rollout and how significant it is in our culture of communications? Well, I think it's been an incredible success. I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of people trying to get on, and we're doing it very slowly. You know, you open something like that. I had hundreds of millions of people, all of a sudden we had nobody, we had no voice, and now we're going to have a very strong voice again. Uh, we have uh, tremendous, uh, as you see, and we're getting tremendous reviews, too, on the platform itself, uh, but it's uh, slowly been opened. People are getting on, and they're loving the product, and we're getting a voice. When can we get your first post? 
Well, we'll be doing it pretty soon. I wanted to hold on a little bit, but people are loving it, as you know. And I love the fact that we got the word truth. Truth is a great word. Mr. President, yeah. right now, the app, as, as of this morning, the waiting list is closing in on one million people. Has that even exceeded your expectations? I thought it would do very well. I've done very well in this world, and I thought it would do very well. But the two things I'm really happy about, they love it once they get on, and the list of people wanting to get on is record-breaking. We're seeing a lot of bravery from Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. And, you know, he's not abandoning his people. He's staying and taking up arms with his countrymen. If you were in a similar situation as president, would you take up arms like Zelensky? Well, you know, you never know about bravery. Some people think they're brave and they're not brave, and other people don't think of themselves as very brave and they step up. You never know until you get tested. And uh, he's being tested at the highest level, and so far he's really shown great leadership and great bravery. Uh, they say he was an actor or a comedian, and all of that's fine, but he is showing a lot of bravery so far. And hopefully, hopefully we won't have to need that too much longer, because maybe things can end. This should not happen. This should never have happened. And Putin has, he said that he thinks that Putin will kill him. Do you think that's true? Well, that's what he thinks. I believe he does think that. And it's probably true. But he's showing great bravery, absolutely. Mr. President, the Department of Justice, uh, under your administration, opened up a basically a China espionage initiative. Now the Department of Justice has shut that down. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm surprised they did. We were very careful with that. And China, as you know, is a, is a very big player, but it's a uh, it could be a very dangerous player in so many different ways, especially in that we had it very well shut down, and now they're opening it up. And I'm surprised to see that. I don't think we should be doing that, but that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. I think it's a big mistake. Mr. President, are yes. you confident in the election integrity measures that have been instituted by certain legislatures, and in Pennsylvania particularly? Are you concerned about this poll? Well, a lot of things are going on in Pennsylvania. As an example, uh, many subpoenas are out. And they're seeing the kind of corruption that we've all seen, that I've seen, uh, when you look at the uh, uh, ballot harvesting that has been like hundreds of thousands of votes. And this is just now coming out. And we have it on tape. They have it on pings. A ping is now a modern-day fingerprint. And it's conclusive and it's determinative. But Pennsylvania knows, uh, as you know, over the last three or four months, they've become very active because they found out that I believe they found out that it was a big scam in Pennsylvania, and it's been a scam in many other states, too. Do you think it's been fixed, sir? I don't know that they're fixing it. I know that — I think they're finding out what happened, more importantly, right now, because you really have to find out what happened in order to properly fix it. And I think uh, they have some very good leadership right now in Pennsylvania that — and I'm not talking about the governor, who doesn't want anything to do with it because he understood what happened. But we have some very good Republican leadership in Pennsylvania. And they're finding out tremendous things that took place during the 2020 presidential election. It was a scam what took place in Pennsylvania and other mostly swing states, probably other states also, but they focused on the swing states. Mr. President, how concerned are you that uh, China might move on Taiwan uh, based on what's happening right now with Ukraine? And are there also concerns uh, that North Korea might be uh, getting a little anxious as well to go back in and, and reunify? Well, we did very well with North Korea, as you remember. We were supposed to go to war with North Korea. We never came close. I got along with Kim Jong-un very well. 
Uh, we had a very good relationship. A lot of people say, oh, that's terrible that he had a relationship. Well, we had a very good relationship. Uh, we got along. And we didn't have nuclear holocaust. We didn't have, because he has a lot of nukes and a lot of different, and we know exactly what he's got. And it's very substantial. Uh, he seems not to like President Biden very much. And we'll see what happens there uh, with China and others. I've been saying for a long while now that Look, I happen to think that the withdrawal, the way we withdrew from Afghanistan, was one of the most embarrassing moments in the history of our country. I actually think that if that didn't take place, you might not have what's happening in Ukraine right now. I think when Putin saw that and when President Xi of China witnessed that, I think he has a whole different design right now than he would have had before that. I think they looked at that and, and saw it grossly incompetent losing soldiers, leaving Americans behind, uh, 75 to $85 billion worth of the best military equipment in the world, leaving that behind, having the military move first. I, I think it's one of the most embarrassing moments, and I really think that's a contributing factor to what's happening today in Ukraine. And I think it's going to also lead to a similar thing happening in Taiwan. They wanted to get the Olympics finished. The Olympics are now finished. Let's see what happens. You know, yesterday, bombers flew over airspace. First time in many, many decades that's happened. That would have never again happened during my administration. And a lot of people, even the radical left, I saw Chuck Todd said the other day, how come he was talking to Blinken or somebody? He said, how come this never happened in the four years that President Trump was there? That was a shocking question. And they were unable to answer that question. Someday I'll write a book and I'll tell you why it never happened, but it never happened. We have time for one last question. There's a very, very important question to be asked. Go ahead. What is the one sanction or the two sanctions that have not been implemented to stop Vladimir Putin that you would implement given a choice? Well, there are many sanctions. Now, you have to understand, sanctions are very expensive for our country also. But the one that people are talking about, which is very, very severe, as you know, is SWIFT. And that just really destroys a banking system of a country. Uh, it's a very big step, and uh, we'll see whether or not that step is taken. But uh, thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people could die with this, and this could spread to other countries, and it could spread throughout the world. I mean, this could be a world war. Something has to be done. Should have never started, and it did, and something has to be done. So that would be the one that seems to be uh, on most people's minds, if you read, if you see, if you study, that seems to be the one so that's the, uh, the most now, powerful. What should be done? If you were president right now, and the, the situation is what it is now, which you say it would have gotten here, what should Joe Biden do? What should Biden do? Well, I think I know exactly what should be done. Number one, we shouldn't be here. But on the assumption that we're here, and that's a big assumption, but it's happened, uh, we, uh, there are things that he should do. I would rather not tell him under this forum. I don't think it's appropriate to say that. But there are things he could do that would be very strong, very powerful, and I think would end it pretty quickly. But remember this. We are the greatest nuclear power. When I was in office, I had it rebuilt, modernized, and also rebuilt our military, also started Space Force, which has a lot to do with what we're talking about. But we're the greatest nuclear power. But Russia has an almost equal nuclear power. And China is five years behind, but they have very substantial nuclear power. We all have to be very careful. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Press.
It is my distinct privilege to be here today with the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, world-renowned neurosurgeon, author, and the founder of the Cornerstone Institute, Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, thank you so much for being well, here. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Now, you are both a distinguished neurosurgeon. You, of course, have had an impressive career in the field of policy. You still work in the field of political science. You know those two worlds of yes. medicine and policy very, very well. So speaking as a medical professional and as someone that still today is working in public policy, what is your assessment of the way that the Biden administration has handled the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it, it actually saddens me to say that the way that they've handled it has created tremendous distrust of government agencies like the CDC, NIH, and it's going to take a long time to build that trust again. And that presents a, a real danger for our society because, you know, another pandemic may come along or some other uh, real serious issue, and if people don't trust what's being told them, uh, I think that could be very detrimental. So I hope maybe that there has been some learning through all this. You know, you can't mix science and medicine with politics. And you have to do things that actually make sense. You know, for instance, um, we have known that the, the uh, vaccine is has some issues. Uh, the complication rates are much higher than vaccines in the past. If you look at the uh, VIRS data, the Vaccine Adverse uh, Reaction Reporting System, uh, but we don't talk about that. The risk of the COVID itself for healthy children is almost zero. And yet we're saying, let's give them the vaccine anyway even though we know that there may be some long-term complications and short-term uh, from the COVID, there's almost no risk. It makes absolutely no scientific sense whatsoever. Uh, the fact that we won't recognize natural immunity. We've known about natural immunity for hundreds of years uh, and it's been very effective and we used it effectively. And now all of a sudden, Natural immunity, what's that? You know, we're firing doctors and nurses who were on the front lines, who had COVID, uh, who have antibodies, who have natural immunity, and we're saying it doesn't count anymore all of a sudden, even though it's better immunity than anything which you get from the vaccine. And there's only one reason I can think of that that would be the case, and that is if you recognize natural immunity, then it puts a big hole in your argument that everybody has to have the vaccine. Yeah. yeah. I want to get your thoughts on another pressing issue that we're seeing a lot in the news recently. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as a renowned neurosurgeon, you have that medical background. And increasingly, we're seeing this trend of biological men competing in women's sports. Yes. We've seen this recently with college swimmer Leah Thomas. What are your thoughts on this? Can, can a man competing in women's sports ever be fair? No, it's not fair at all because men and women have different physical structures. You know, in swimming, for instance, men have bigger hands, which means when they're swimming and they make that cuff and they swing, they're going to have an advantage. Their pelvic structure is different. You know, women's pelvic structure is it's made for delivery and men for running. 
or you know swimming in this particular case you know there are a lot of physiological things that are not going to be reversed by hormone treatment and it is totally ridiculous now what we should do you know I'm not saying that we should just forget about the transgenders but why not let them have a transgender league and uh, compete against people of this it's totally unfair to women to do this to them completely unfair Coming to breaking news, something that's happening right now. I would love to get your thoughts on President Joe Biden's recent announcement um, that he is appointing to the Supreme Court Ketanji Brown Jackson. Right. What are your thoughts on her? And also, what are your thoughts on President Joe Biden's earlier announcement that he would only consider a black woman for this role? Well, I'm very disappointed. Uh, when we start making the criteria for public positions something that people have no control over. They have no control over their race. <laughs> and, and yet that becomes the criteria. Uh, you know, it goes against all the work, uh, the blood that's been shed by people who are trying to achieve equality, who are advocating people like Dr. Martin Luther King, that we would judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. It's also unfair to the candidate because people will assume that she got the position because of her color and not because of her qualifications. That may not be the case, but that will be a natural assumption. You know, I, I can remember in my own case uh, when I was a a, you know, pediatric neurosurgeon early in my career, people didn't really know who I was. And, you know, I could see some of them would come and say, I'm not letting any affirmative action operate on my brain. <laughs> now, later on, when I became very well known, everybody wanted me. But, you know, people do make that assumption. And you can't really blame them. And, you know, we've made so much progress that there really is no need because the fact of the matter is there are so many qualified black women, Hispanic women, all kinds of people in our society, and the natural process is going to land them in positions. You don't have to do something that violates the whole concept of fairness and equality. Dr. Carson, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. It's a privilege and an honor. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this special edition of the Daily Signal Podcast. You can find the Daily Signal Podcast, as always, on all of your favorite podcasting apps. That's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure, if you haven't already, to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. We'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal Podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.